0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today our topic is time to write.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> you could take that two ways.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well they'll figure it out as we as we keep going. Yes. So so Jonathan, I just I really want to talk about this thing that you're doing. And I know we've talked about it for a while, but I hear you've gone public with a big announcement about what you're planning to do in 2020. So Mm -hmm. tell us about it.
0: Yeah, so I challenged myself to write 10 books in 2020, which is absurd. Wait, let me just
1: gasp for the audience right here. (laughs) 10 books in a year? Are you crazy?
0: Yeah, so yes. The answer is yes. (laughs) Um, But I'll tell you why. And the reason is that there's a bunch of reasons one is that I have a bunch of books like lined up like I have a list of books that I should write I have a backlog basically and I've got the information for almost all of them and I have had a backlog for a while the last time I wrote a book I think was in 2018 which is two years ago now and I know that I should be putting these things out and I'm just not making the time to do it That's one thing. The other thing is that in sort of Q3, Q4 of 2019, I was probably the busiest I've ever been in my entire life. We had Thanksgiving for 30 people and my black belt candidate training, which was like like 20 or 30 hours a week, plus running a business, plus having two kids and homeschooling and I mean travel, all this stuff. I was like crazy busy. And I remember saying to myself at the end of August, we had a, a family retreat every year. We do a family retreat with all of my kids' cousins, so like my brothers and sisters and all their kids. And it's a week, and it was in August this year. And I remember at the end of it saying to like basically my entire immediate family, like, okay, see you in six months because <laughs> or five months because I knew we were going to be crazy busy. And here's the, the, the funny thing is, I didn't really feel that busy. Like I went through it. We got an amazing amount of stuff done. I personally got an amazing amount of stuff done. I never felt like, man, I wasn't pulling all-nighters or anything. What did I do? I just cut out wasting time. I cut out listening to a three-hour-long podcasts from Joe Rogan or listening to, <laughs> you know, I cut out, I, I deleted Netflix from my phone. I deleted social media from my phone. I just reclaimed a whole bunch of wasted time and got a, just a, an amazing amount of stuff done, and really stuff that's really important to me, like really life-changing stuff, and okay, so then fast forward to, you know, that finishing, so that, all, that stuff mostly wrapped up in early December, then we still had Christmas, and so that was still, but then after Christmas, I found myself like letting that stuff creep back in, like, oh yeah, I'll watch Rogan talk for three hours, or like, uh, or I'll start listening to podcasts like NPR, like podcasts that are basically entertainment, but I don't even like that much. It was basically like I started to feel myself going back to letting my brain stop, like check out. It's such a stark. I was like looking for another <laughs> word. Uh, it was such a stark contrast going from like getting tons of amazing stuff done, stuff that was amazing to me, done to going back to this kind of like brainless consumption mode overnight. And I was like, ooh, like I know I caught myself. I was like, oh, okay. So maybe what I should do is keep myself really busy, busy, air quotes, busy, have a challenge for myself. And, you know, if I don't finish 10 books in 2020, maybe I finish eight Mm-hmm. You know, or it's <laughs> pretty good, right? So, yeah, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe I finish eight, and maybe six of them are awful. That means I wrote two good books <laughs> in a year, which would still yeah. be amazing. And I honestly don't think that's going to happen, to tell you the truth. I, I think I'm optimistic at this point that you know, at this early date, I'm still optimistic about the books. So that was a really big thing for me was to recognize that kind of time i mean honestly i don't i didn't miss any of those things that i cut out of my schedule and as they i felt them seeping back in it felt like novocaine for my brain i was like i don't want this i don't need this i didn't miss it and why am i why am i there's some some physiology that was like pulling me back to it like a drug i was like yeah well, i don't like that
1: it's almost like an addiction in the sense that it soothes you do you know what i mean you just like fall back into it it's not challenging it's just soothing right i mean it's not not harmful but it's soothing
0: soothing too. yeah that's a good yeah. way to put it and i want to i want to like take a second to point out that i'm not talking about being a workaholic at all i did not work crazy hours like i didn't cut out time with my family i cut out netflix <laughs> it's a big difference <laughs> yeah. so i didn't completely disconnect from that i watched a few comedy specials or whatever but Um, I just, I just dramatically decreased the amount of, of content consumption I was doing. And that freed up hours and hours and hours. It was amazing how much time that freed Mm -hmm. up. Well, Um, so
1: there's another thing inherent in what you said that I want to ask you about, which is you recognized the, the shift. And I think of it as a trigger, like what, what do you remember thinking about? I just think it might be helpful for others to recognize when we start to slide into something that's. Soothing or comfortable, but not necessarily what we want.
0: Yeah, it was easy for me because I had to like go install apps So Ah, I had I had this yeah, I mean that was that to me honestly that was the main thing I was like, I'm like, why am I installing Instagram? Seriously, (laughs) seriously, why am I installing this? There's nothing productive about Instagram for me. It's a complete rabbit hole if I open Instagram 45 minutes of my life disappear And it's not evil I just don't want to spend my life like that. There's just nothing beneficial there for me. Yeah. So it was, it was really obvious.
1: Well, I think the other thing is, you know, you were talking about all the things that you got done, but if you look at it again, from the outside looking in, it wasn't just that you got things done. They were really meaningful and important things to you. And the black belt is, and that's not something you just do in a month or six months. It's a, long-term commitment and you created some new programs and you reached a new kind of audience. So it was, these are all important things. And I I really like that you said, it's not about being a workaholic. This isn't about finding another 17 hours in the day by working more.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my sleep was perfectly fine. I wasn't pulling all nighters or doing crazy stuff like that uh, at all. I just cut out the junk food really. And it, and it wasn't hard because I was so, I try not to not use the word busy, but I had a list of things to do that I wanted to do. And there were things I wanted to do. I wasn't like, I was like dreading them, but I was, so I had this list of things to do and I wanted to do them. And so I was active. I I try not to use the word busy, but I had stuff to do and like, all right, if I have this stuff to do, then it wasn't like I had to use a lot of willpower to not watch Joe Rogan every day. It was like, it's just like, Hey, I've got a list of stuff to do and I'm going to do it because it's fun. And it's just, it was kind of like just taking the conscious step of being, okay, here's, here's a list of things that would be good things for me to do with my life and making it, instead of it being a little bit subconscious and flying under the radar and on my maybe someday list, I pulled it a little bit more to the forefront and was like, oh yeah. And that moment when you're like, huh, what should I do next in my day? after dinner and the kids go to bed and like everybody's asleep, like what should I do next? I could uh, listen to NPR, you know, wait, wait, don't tell me for an hour, which is hilarious, fun show to listen to. Or I could go to this list of productive things that I could do and tick something off. And since it was right there for me, it was a, it was not a hard choice at all. I would just be like, Oh, I'm just going to go to my list. It's kind of like when we had um, uh, James clear on the show And a best-selling New York Times best-selling author James (laughs) Clear on the show. Uh, He was like, I wanted to start eating more apples. So instead of keeping them in the fridge, I left a bowl on the counter. It is exactly that. I had the bowl of apples on the counter instead of in the fridge. So I would just see the bowl of apples and I would eat an apple. Metaphor being I had this list of really fun, productive things to do. Always ready to do. So I just naturally gravitated away from the stuff that was entertaining and and fun and maybe thought provoking, but really not productive.
1: Well, the other thing you did is you made this very public. You and I have talked about this for a while, and I've been teasing you about it. I'll know it's real when you actually like say <laughs> it out loud. <laughs> right. And so, and you did. So I love the email where you announced it. But I want you to to talk us through. Why you decided to create a Slack channel around this? Like, what was your intent in in doing it? And then let's talk about how it's rolled out. It's still, it's not even a week old yet.
0: Is it, is wow, it, really? No, maybe about, it is. Maybe, maybe it is week. a week. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is a week. You might be right. Yeah. Um, but about that anyway. And and I I just know that I do better when I make a public commitment. And I know that's true. But I didn't have to create a Slack room to do that. I don't know if I'm a natural performer. And I mean, I did music or whatever, but music performance. So maybe it's just part of my personality. But it's an incentive for me to have people, I don't want to say rooting for me, because I don't, it's not quite that. It's partially that. But I knew that starting a community would also, I know that in order to write 10 books that don't completely stink in one year, (laughs) I'm going to need a lot of help. So, you know, I think three or four of them I'm doing with co-authors or, or, you know, the children's book, I've got an illness, you know, my, my sister is a painter, and she's going to do all of the illustration. And so I'm not doing hardly any of them are doing completely on my own, even ones that I am the sole author, I'm going to be hiring editors and having bouncing ideas off of other people, it's not going to be written in a vacuum. And Uh, I know that having a community that's enrolled in this process and excited about it and interested in it by, you know, I said, hey, here's a link you can click to join this community. It's totally free. I don't know what's going to happen in there. Um, We can all kind of make it what it is, turn it into whatever we need. Uh, And it will be helpful for me, but I also think it'll be helpful for other people who are interested in Writing and having accountability partners or bouncing ideas off of people or asking questions of a technical nature that are really blocking them Like how do I actually publish this on Amazon or things like that? I thought that having a, a, a group of people Who were interested in any kind of writing really because there are people in there that are like Oh, I want to do daily emails like you or I want to write more for my blog or it's not necessarily people writing a book it's people who want to take writing more seriously and turn it into a habit instead of this thing they do once a week, if that at gunpoint. <laughs> and, right. So it's because that's how it used to feel to me when I wrote weekly or less than weekly. It felt like a torture. So the, the point of the community, it's it's partially self-serving because I know I'm gonna need a lot of help. I fully plan on having people like read, you know, manuscripts in process, like, hey, could somebody help me out? Uh, who knows maybe we'll be like like this plot hole seems ridiculous can anybody come up with we have this huge (laughs) plot hole in singularity war could somebody help us there are other published authors in there and and um and then there are a lot of people who are sort of dream of doing that and there are people like i said who are just just trying to improve their marketing but um well, that's what I, I, I found know. so
1: fascinating, though, is I, I joined the, the group, and I joined it for two reasons. One is I, I wanted to support you because I thought this was a totally audacious goal that I know you're going to do. I mean, I really have no doubts that you'll do this. And the other is that I haven't gotten my own book off the ground. I'm like, well, John, if Jonathan can write 10, surely <laughs> I can produce one, right? So that was my intent behind it. But what I found so interesting when I logged in and I was going to just lurk, but I felt like I should at least announce that I'm there, is how many people really struggled with finding the time to write. And it wasn't just about a book. It was about blog posts. It was about writing an article. It was, you know, people really seemed to struggle with that. And someone had even said, yeah, gee, I did the, the, the five and five challenge we did with the business of authority, but then I stopped writing after that. So what I found so appealing is that, Jonathan, you, you said, you really need a challenge. And I think a lot of us do. We need to have a challenge in our own mind about what we're going to do. And then the, the second part is the having all those people in one place, I don't know, what is it, 300 people now?
0: About that, yeah.
1: Yeah, having all those people in one place that struggle with aspects of the same thing, but have punched through it in various ways is hugely helpful.
0: Yeah. It, it, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Finding ways to connect people who are kind of wrestling with the same thing in their in isolation. You, know, you could look at it as inspirational or you could look at it as like, you know, shaming them into doing <laughs> it. Like, like, come on, do something. Like, what do you, okay, you could go watch YouTube or you could write a book, you choose. Surrounding yourself with people who are uh, either on the same journey or have already made the journey and are doing it again or or just there to kind of obi-wan your way be your obi-wan then it creates um a, an emotional reaction that draws me back and so I'm I keep coming back to that reading for it's not like it's not that it's a group of people rooting for me, although that might happen, and, and pe- people are going to root for others who who yeah. Make it's not set. To do it's
1: not set up that way as a no, let's not, root for it's not Jonathan on, thing. No, it's not. It's actually what I love about it. Not that not that we shouldn't root for you because we do, but it's that people made it their own, right. and and you let them do that, of course, too. And so they've started some new channels. They've created some different threads on things that have nothing to do with you, but have everything to do with the topic right which is how do you write more
0: right yep and as we were just talking about this i realized what what i was trying to articulate when i was kind of going down that rooting path it's not that it's that there are 300 people who i don't want to let down which yes. is a very powerful motivator for yeah. me yeah yeah
1: yeah well and you know we all have an ego it's like oh my god i don't <laughs> want i don't want to embarrass myself in front of a group of people that all think i can do this
0: right right I do assume, and it's started to happen a little bit, I do assume that there would be some uh, kind of networking type of stuff happening where, so for example, the uh, some folks have just sort of organically started partnering up to in, in pairs to just be accountability partners for each other, uh, kind of buddy system.
1: I love when I saw somebody asking for that and they were yeah. very specific about what they wanted. I thought that was yep. very smart.
0: Yep. And then someone yep. started a channel for people who are looking for partners are kind of raising their hand. Hey, I'm looking, I'm writing a sci-fi book or I'm writing a business book. And I'd love to have somebody to bounce ideas off of or whatever. I love it. hmm
1: Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about like we decided to call this episode time to write. So let's talk about that because I feel like when I was reading through the comments, an awful lot of people said, they didn't say, I don't have time to write. They said their biggest challenge is making the time to write. And I always find that interesting.
0: Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, on my a daily list, a lot of times when people first join it, they'll reply to an email and say, is this just some canned sequence? Are you actually writing these daily or do you schedule them in advance? And I'll reply like, no, I write them every day. And they'll be like, what? I didn't even expect to get a reply. <laughs> this this isn't a robot. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I, I love writing these. It's... It's like, how do you find time to hug your kids every day? It's like, I love doing it. Of course I'm going to find time to do it. (laughs) You're going to make the time. I mean, we talked about that a lot already with like, you know, deleting Instagram and YouTube from your phone, but, but still, I mean,
1: um, I I think it's more than just the mechanics though. And the mechanics are important, but I think it's that you have to have a, a, a mindset that says, I'm a writer. I'm going to write. And to me, the hardest part is if you don't set aside time to do it, right? I mean, you kind of have to set aside some time and then you actually do have to write. It's like, it's, you can't say, oh, I'm blocked. Just write, just write something, write anything. And it will, there's something about, about the, at least for me, the magic of once you start putting your fingers on the keyboard, Stuff happens, and it doesn't matter if you delete 90% of it. If that 10% is is what you have to say, it's all good work.
0: Yeah. As Seth Godin says, plumbers don't get plumbers block. They show yeah. up and they do their job. Yeah. If, if you're a writer, if you want to be a, Well, see, I, I feel like there's a, a distinction here. I think for our audience probably should or has written a book. Probably. If you want to be an authority, you pretty much have to be an author. Author, mm-hmm. authority. They're related. So (laughs) you probably have a book in your future if you don't have one in your past already. And I think that's important. But I don't think you necessarily have to switch to this identity of like, I'm a writer. Well, what do you do? I'm a writer.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: There is a, yes, but there is, there is a leap of faith that needs to happen for most people because I hear the same thing. Like, oh, I, I tried it. And it it seemed good, but I didn't get any traction or it didn't do anything for my business. Well, how many posts did you write? Three. Okay. (laughs) Um, There's a certain leap of faith because it's a long game. Writing is a long game. There's a leap of faith. You just have to believe that writing is good for you. And once you kind of make, you just trust that it is and you just do it. Like you, you're a scheduler and you like to have things in the calendar. I am not a scheduler. Uh, I don't like to have things in the calendar. I like to have them in my to-do list.
1: But you do them. But, but you have, a, yeah, you have a mindset that says I'm going to do this every day,
0: right? And and one of the funny things I've found about having so many writing projects at the same time, because let's not forget, on top of writing the ten books, I still write a daily email, and I'm still I'm just typing all day. If I, I'm either talking into a microphone like right now, or I'm typing, and that's my job.
1: Sounds familiar. <laughs> mm or
0: listening. And so here's the funny thing about the funny thing about having so many writing projects at the same time is my procrastination is writing. So when I feel like procrastinating, like one of the projects is like blocked a little bit or uh, or we had a big breakthrough and now I'm like not maybe not feeling it as much, when I go to procrastinate when I'm supposed to be writing book A, I go write book B. <laughs> 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 so I have this ability to I mean, I don't know if I'm a- ADHD whatever whatever it is ADHD. ADHD yeah I don't know I like I don't know maybe I am I shift gears a lot I don't even care but I set up having a situation like this set up my procrastinations are productive so instead of reaching for YouTube I'll reach for the sci-fi novel and then if I'm if I'm if I had enough of the sci-fi novel I'll switch over to the business book and it's like oh I mean talk yeah. about a mind shift
1: there's no candy in your house it's apples and oranges and, and pears and maybe a little cheese.
0: Uh-huh. Right? A lot of a lot of cheese in my house. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I want to go back to this thing that you said, because I think it's important, is that not everybody has to identify as a writer. But I think what we're saying is on the road to authority, and you know, there's a lot of spots along the way, but you're building expertise. Part of expertise is sharing it. And in order to share it, you have to start to really develop your point of view about this thing that you're expert in. And it doesn't just come to you overnight because you write three things or you've done a hundred consulting assignments. You might not have actually taken your core belief system and written it down. And... One of the advantages of writing, whether it's every day or once a week or wh- however often, is that you are creating this content and you're teaching it to yourself as you go.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like you're boiling, boiling it down maybe isn't the right word, but you're... Yeah, but basically that's what ends up happening. You're concentrating it. You're perfecting it. You're, you, you put that sentence or that claim on a piece of paper, you, virtually or not, And you look at it and you're like, wait, can I really defend that? Like, that's a pretty bombastic thing to say, for example. And maybe I would tweet that and then regret it for three weeks as people just flame me in the the replies. (laughs) So I don't want that in a book. And it forces you to really – forces you to be a little bit more thoughtful about about the ideas and really – like. It happens to me, because I write so much for work, it happens to me quite often that I'll know there's, there'll be a particular situation, it's actually happened to me right now, where I, I wrote an email. In, in
1: Twitter, the Twitter thing?
0: The Twitter thing, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. But the Twitter thing came from an email, and the the email was, I don't want to really like try and try and paraphrase it, but basically I, I put forth a, a, an idea, you know, which is essentially if you bill for your time, why would you buy a faster computer? Why would invest $3,000 to lose money? It doesn't make sense. And then I I put a poll up on Twitter and it's one of those situations where I'm like, I know what I mean. And I think, I don't know how to put this other than I know I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm right, but it's a great example of I'm doing a horrible job communicating it. Mm. So all okay. these people are flipping out and they're like, oh, no, that's not true or, or that's wrong or and they've got all of these arguments that make sense to them. And I can see that those arguments don't make sense. Like it, it's not not necessarily that they don't make sense, but they're arguing a point that I'm not making because I made it the point right. badly. OK, so working stuff like that out in in public, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Hacker News, in Quora, Facebook, wherever or in Slack with a community and figuring out how to say it in a way that the people you're trying to reach are going to understand it is an educational experience for the writer, which yes. is, yeah, so yes. that, I think that's what you're getting at.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's two things. You're honing your ideas, but you're also honing your audience. Cause if you were having that conversation with exclusively graphic designers the outcome might be different than if it was exclusively developers. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it depends trends, on, yeah. yeah, it would depend on, on the audience, but, but it's how you communicate and writing is a big part of that, of course, but it's that experimentation. So not only do you hone your, your point of view, you hone how you communicate with your ideal audience. Cause you don't care about the people who are not in your ideal. Piece. I mean, I don't I want to say you don't care, but if they don't get it, it, it's not all that important as long as you're communicating in a way that your key audience can understand and share.
0: Yeah. I mean, you don't, people don't have unlimited resources. I can't reach everyone. So if it takes really focused, specific inside baseball jargon terms to reach a particular – to get to communicate a particular message – I can translate that into as many verticals as possible, but it's not going to be very many because it's very labor intensive. So I'm going to, I'm going to choose my battles and, and communicate in those highly specific industry specific terms to get a message across to a particular audience because, you know, you know, and I'll do as many as I can, but I know I can't do them all. So you have to choose which ones are you going to do? Like which one am I going to do today? Which one am I going to do tomorrow?
1: I love this example of experimenting on like this thing that blew up in and it didn't blow up in a bad way. I don't think from out again outside looking in on email and and Twitter. How much better is it that you did that than dropped it in that idea in a book? Yeah, or the way been, that you said that
0: in a book. Yeah, it would have been. It would have flopped. If I put that straight into a book, it would have flopped. People yeah. would have been. This book's stupid. And that's my bad. Like, fine, yes, it would have been bad. And anyway, the point is, like, when you when you go to write a book, it's different than a tweet. You know, it's not the same thing. There's a different level of commitment, and it's going to take more time. You're hopefully going to put more thought into it than you would put into a tweet. Yeah, I mean, not that a tweet can't be amazing, but because it, it, it can be. But but there's something about the process of writing a book, even if you don't identify primarily as an author or a writer that is going to make you better as an authority, because it makes you better at helping to lead people to this vision that you're trying to get them to. So if you're this, if you're like a thought leader or whatever, you need to, you you need to, geez, I mean, it's almost like learning how to lead, like the process of writing the book is going to help you learn how to lead people to this destination.
1: Yes. There's uh, David Meister, who is sort of the arguable father of modern consulting right and um, he wrote the book the original book on managing the professional services firm so he wrote I don't know how many books 7 8 10 something like that and he wrote a ton of articles well he was known to have said that he hated writing he detested doing it so what he did is he wrote articles and when he had enough of them he put them together into a book and but it, and if once I knew that and I looked at the books, I went, oh, I do see that. But uh, chapters of a book could very much be a long article. So there is a there is a way that you can do this by creating, whether it's a, a blog post or an article for another publication, there's a way you can do that to put them all together into what becomes your point of view on something specific that makes uh, the right book for you.
0: Yeah, that's what hourly billing is nuts. Is it's a it's a collection of essays. I called it essays on the on the book, but I mean they're posts I wrote, and it's not like a narrative beginning to end. It's more of a manifesto where it's like each chapter is kind of like a point. Here's this point. Here's that point. Here's this other point. And the and the idea of the book is essays on the insanity of trading time for money. It's like to convince you that it's nuts. It's, but it's not a how-to, it's not like a step-by-step procedure that you would go through to ditch hourly. That's more like what the freelancer's roadmap is. And I'm going to publish a book this year called Ditching Hourly that's specifically a how-to. You know, once you're convinced that hourly is crazy and damaging your business and your projects and your clients, uh, not that I have a horse in the race, but <laughs> that's how <I> feel, <laughs> then then a more of a, a how-to book makes sense, I think. But I couldn't have I couldn't have written that. When I published Hourly Billing is Nuts, because I didn't have, you know, five years of of walking people through the process and doing workshops on it and all of that to know how to land it. So to to know how to communicate it in a way that would result in a transformation, where Hourly Billing is nuts is like me kind of evangelizing against if that's a if that's a thing that you can do kind of evangelizing for anything but hourly and here's why here's why here's why here's why this is the whole book is about these examples of of situations where hourly billing is clearly causing a major problem
1: well, the other thing you said when you were describing that is use the word transformation, which is zing. I love that. Yeah, because that, that's what we're talking about. So, so your first book was was a manifesto. Well, that's not wasn't your first book. Your first book on this topic was a manifesto, and then the how to. A lot of experts come at it as I know the how to, and so some people might write the how to book first as a way of really understanding their big picture view of this. So you might write a how-to book first. I'm thinking of April Dunford's book, for example. That's very much of a how-to. She, she she weaves her belief system in there, but it's very much of a how-to book. I could kind of picture her next book being a big idea book and kind of going from there. That's something she's interested in. So it's that It's that focus on the transformation of your ideal audience. And how do you make that happen? Can you make it happen in a blog post? Yes. Maybe not the whole transformation, but you can plant seeds for it.
0: Yeah. You could perhaps have, you know, give someone an aha moment in a blog post. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that happens a lot. And it's if you don't write, you'll never know.
0: <laughs> and so let's I've been I've been wanting to um, call something out specifically because I think earlier I said that the challenge that I gave myself was to write 10 books in 2020, but that's not actually the challenge the actual challenge is to publish publish 10 <laughs> books in 2020, which is not the same thing <laughs>
1: yeah yeah that's yeah it's very ambitious but Jonathan, I just I believe you can do it
0: Well, I'm going to cheat like crazy so I think it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> Delegate and have co-authors, and I'm going to count an audio book as a book and things like that.
1: Well, but here's the thing, though. I mean, we both know that's not cheating, right? (laughs) Because you know, it takes a village, and that's what I love. I come back to the Slack channel. That's what I love about that. Is you, you said, okay, I think this would really be helpful to me, and the people that joined it said, yeah, that's great, Jonathan. We want to support you, but yeah, we want to do this too. It takes a village. If you're thinking about writing, you're, you're stuck or you're, you quote unquote, don't have time to write, I would encourage you to join the channel and take a look at what some other folks are doing and get inspired by that.
0: Yeah. By the time this goes live, I will have set up a page on my site. I guess I'll put it at uh, JonathanStark.com slash 10 in 20. So like the number 10 in, uh, sorry, 10 in 2020. Yeah. And, and if you want to join the room, there'll be like an open link there that you can just click on and boom, you'll be in. It's, it's very open and loosey goosey. And, uh, you know, if you care about writing more, I think it's going to be the place to be. So even if you just want to lurk and, and maybe think about writing something in the future and not in 2020, but yeah, I mean, the more people who care about writing in there, I think the better it is.
1: Yeah, totally. But I just I want to come back to this making time to write. I mean, I, I, I don't know if we've if we've underlined it and put an exclamation point to it. But I guess our point here is that you do have time to write. We all do. We make time to write. It doesn't magically appear. It's a commitment like every other commitment in your life. And whether it's because you love it the way Jonathan does, and gee, I don't have to schedule hugging my kids because you know I love <laughs> I love it, right? But for other people, it may be intimidating, you know, you're just getting started, or you've more than started, but you're kind of you're kind of ready to break through to something else. The key is To do the work is to set aside the time, whether you schedule it like I do or put it on your to-do list like Jonathan does or a million other ways to do it. But you have the time. You just have to choose to spend it on this.
0: Yeah, it's a decision. Yeah. Everybody's got like, look, I mean, Elon Musk got the same number of hours in a week as anybody listening to this show. And he's putting people on Mars for crying (laughs) lab. Like you can write a book, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, the time is there. Everybody's got, it's like this one resource that's completely democratic. What's the word? It's it's just like, doesn't matter. You can't buy it. You can't buy time. There's no way you can't rent it. There's nothing. And, and there's so, a
1: finite amount of it. You know, right. what I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's different. How much we have in total is different for all of us, but how much we have every day is the same.
0: Yeah, you can't save it up; like, it gets used. Mm-hmm. Like, whether you do something, whether or not, it gets consumed. So, the, the crux of the matter is like you just have to decide to do it. It's obvious, right? But like, then people will get bogged down and they're like, "Yeah, but is that really the most productive thing I can do?" And that's when you get to that thing where, at a certain point, you have to believe that it's the right thing to do. And if you are, if you have more of a you focused service mentality, it's a lot easier to convince yourself that writing is a good thing to do. And if you have a very me focused transactional, what's in it for me, if I spend all this time writing, it's going to be a lot harder to stick to it because it's, it's a long game.
1: Yeah, it is. And you really have to, you know, think of yourself as a giver when it comes to writing. Yeah, it's a gift.
0: Writing is a gift to the reader.
1: Yeah, it is a gift. And the philosophy of a giver, a a true giver says, I'm going to do this. And it's probably not going to come back to me in in a direct form. But I'm going to do this because it's a gift. I know it's the right thing to do. And it is going to make the world a better place. And those are the people who then get gifted back. right? Something wonderful happens because of the hundreds, dozens, hundreds, thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people that they've helped with those gifts. And that gift could be as simple as a blog post. You can change a life with a blog post. But if you think, oh yeah, I'm going to instantly bring business to my company because <laughs> I did these three blog posts, not going to happen. Don't even bother.
0: Yeah. Just hire hire writers and have a content farm and That's just not the same thing. And it's not that it doesn't work, like that can work, I suppose, Um, I don't, yeah, it's it's not the same thing though. Like if you're just looking to improve your SEO or whatever, you know, like, oh, we want more people to download our white paper and get their email address and like demand gen, like we'll hire a bunch of demand gen people and like, that's a different game. Like that's not what we're talking about here. You can
1: also tell when you read those, I can always tell, those kinds of articles and posts, they're just, they just, they're kind of flat. Whereas somebody who really cares about it, maybe you've got, uh, maybe your thinking isn't fully clarified yet. So it's a little messy, it might be a little bit unorganized, might be a couple of typos in it. It's still, it's It's from the heart and from the the mind of a person who's really dedicated time to understanding this area. To me, that's more interesting to read than a perfectly polished, spiffy little article that's really more air.
0: Well, you must think I'm the most interesting person on the planet if you think (laughs) typos. (laughs) if if typos contribute to interest and authenticity I got I win
1: (laughs) Jonathan I have to say I'm worried I'm worried about this because ever since I've been writing daily I get a lot more typos in my stuff and I I swear I read them I'm like and I'm a good proofreader and man I've missed a couple of really stupid ones kills (laughs) it kills
0: <laughs> it I know.
1: does it makes me nuts yeah. but what are you going to do write less because the more you right. write the more errors there will be and right. if you're writing a book get yourself a darn good editor because a typo in a book is horrible yeah, yeah that's, you know, that's bad yeah a typo in an email you know i think we we, we let those go
0: yeah. The, the ones that I've gotten used to it, the ones that really burn are the ones, the typos that change the meaning of the message. It's like, yeah. oh, I forgot to put the word not in there. Like,
1: <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Well, but that's part of, I mean, what people who write as part of their work, notice how I said that, not writers, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who write as part of their work, we want it to be good. We want to communicate. We want it to make sense. And, but you've got to just do it even when we screw up. I'm just like I, I hear you. I'm, I'm there.
0: Yeah. There's a coincidentally. There's a, every month at my karate school where I, I, me and the kids go. They have a lesson for the little champs class, which is a five to seven year old uh, kids. I have a six year old daughter. She's in the little champs class, and they spend five minutes or so every class on the lesson of the month. And the lesson in January is about excellence, and they spend a lot of time distinguishing excellence from perfection strive for excellence don't strive for perfection because there's no such thing as perfection it's a perfection is a trap if you think things need to be perfect before you publish them you're doomed but if you recognize that and there's no way to get there because you you, you have to publish imperfect things to get to perfection It's a, I know it's a real blocker for people it might sound like semantics and it probably is but it's a blocker for people. There a lot, probably 50% of the people I talk to about daily writing, they are paralyzed by the idea of shipping a typo. And, and I, to me, I think excellence is a little bit more forgiving because it feels more like a practice and less like an ideal. And, and yes. I don't know. I just, well, that it's, was a-
1: it's doing your best for me. It's, it's related to that. It's, and, if you want to strive for excellence, you're always going to do your best. You're going to keep learning. You're going to keep growing. Yeah, perfection is unattainable. Um, but what a great lesson to learn when you're six. Don't you think? I love yeah, that amazing. lesson.
0: That's, I mean, that's why we picked that school that when we saw the first class, and they have these different lessons like bullying or like they did one about like diabetes. And like there's all these. It's great. I love it. <laughs> totally off topic. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, I'm picturing six-year-olds in diabetes. That's that one I can't picture, but I... I
0: yeah, we did. Well, how did... The, yeah, well, whatever. I, <laughs> I'm going to derail <laughs> the podcast. It's a fun conversation, <laughs> though. Um, okay. Anyway, so here here's the the bottom line. Here's the tough love. You have the time to write. You have the same amount of time as anyone else. And if you believe that it's important to your business, and if you're in the authority game, it is important to your business then you just have to decide i say just like it's easy but you need to decide to do it and i've said it before and i'll say it again it's easier to do it every day than it is to do it every week because you it's easier to build a habit when you do it daily versus weekly and you need to get into the habit to really go through this process of getting better and better at at your craft of writing and at connecting with the audience that you've chosen to reach and there's just no way around it i, I mean you Yeah, that's really all there is to it.
1: Yeah, you have to make the decision. And it's um, you know what, Jonathan, let's put the link at the bottom of the podcast to the the uh, Slack channel. If it will help seeing other people, you know, with the same struggles and this and other people who have overcome those, I think if that helps you make the decision to do it by all means join if you've already made the decision then the fun part is next
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah before the show we were talking about the the book on my list that was the most terrifying was the fiction book i'm running a children's book too and that's fiction but i'm not counting that but an actual sci-fi novel i mean talk about outside of my comfort zone i was like this this is going to be the one that is the absolute worst. and so and maybe because of that we i started it we well, i should say we started it cuz i'm doing it with a uh, co-author kelly shaver and we're doing we started that that's the first one i started in january and i it's still the honeymoon phase but i'm having so much fun with it and i thought it was going to be torture. and if that's i don't know if that's helpful to anybody listening but i thought it was going to be awful and it's actually super fun. So maybe, yeah, maybe once you uh, make the decision, like you said, the fun part, it's time for the fun part.
1: Well, there's a, there's a mindset too when you tell yourself, oh, I get to do this today. Right. And it's, I look at my writing that way a lot of times when I'm writing uh, the daily post or my weekly post, it's like, oh, I get to do this. How many people get to do that? Right. To just, to just. Take an hour or two hours or whatever it is and write something that you believe has the capacity to change somebody's day for, yep. for, the, for the good.
0: Right. For the, for the good. Right. <laughs>
1: That's usually the plan. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty
0: easy to change somebody's day for the worse.
1: Yeah. We, yeah. We don't need to have a podcast on that for sure.
0: <laughs> How to ruin people's day. Uh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool. All right. Horse beaten. You think?
1: Yeah, I I think so. 10 in 2020.
0: Let's do it, people. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.